When Jeff Curl decided to start a new business, he went the classic route of hitting up a few friends and family members for cash to get his idea off the ground. Here's Jeff telling the story of one pitch he made to an old college buddy. Um, one of my first meetings was with a college, um, my college neighbor, a guy named Josh James, who's a very successful entrepreneur. Then we were at a basketball game. He said, I hear you're doing a new deal. What is it? Can I invest? Tell me about it. And I think he was expecting, um, we had done a lot of web analytics in the past. And I think he was expecting something pretty technical. I said, I'm going to sell socks. And it, he really like took a pause. And he's like, are you serious? I'm like, actually, I said, I'm going to sell men's hosiery. That sounded better. And, um, and then he said, okay, I'm in. Because one of two things is going to happen. You're either going to make a lot of money or I'm going to tease you for the rest of your life about the time you made me give you 100,000 bucks for a sock idea. And that's totally worth it to me. I'm in. <laughs> Josh James, who's the CEO of a big software company called Domo, recalls it pretty much the same way, except Josh said he ponied up 200 grand, not 100. And that's the least of it. That money Jeff raised was back in Stance's earliest days in 2009. A couple years later, he raised another $7 million, mostly from venture capital backers. And three years after that, he raised $26 million. Two years ago, he got another $50 million, And then last year, another $27 million. All in all, Jeff talked investors into giving him about $110 million. That's on par with Airware, a big drone startup, and way more than Stitch Fix, a hot subscription clothing company. So we're talking $110 million for socks. I had the same reaction myself. I had to run it by Jeff Curl. And then I was like, oh my God, a sock company has raised so much money. Weird. Hi, I'm Brad Stone. And I'm Sarah McBride. And this week on Decrypted, we're taking you on a tour of the very unusual world of VC-backed, non-tech startups. Let me break that down. Silicon Valley venture capitalists are known for backing tech companies. But for years, they've also quietly backed plenty of companies they think will grow fast that have nothing to do with tech. This is the same set of investors that helped launch companies like Facebook, Airbnb, and Uber. The difference is... This other breed of company doesn't sell software or build apps. They make products that we've been buying and using for decades, like razors, mattresses, and mayonnaise. Stance, the sock company started by Jeff Curl, is just the latest of these consumer companies that VC investors are pouring money into. Last year, non-tech companies raised $4.9 billion from VCs, about a tenth of all money VCs invested, according to CB Insights. So we'll be asking why. Why invest in socks, not software? And how? How do these investors decide which companies are worth backing? These non-tech companies are notoriously hard to scale up, and there are many examples of companies that didn't make it. Stay with us. So, um, Sarah, it seems a little counterintuitive hearing that nearly $5 billion of VC money went to companies outside of tech. Right. Companies that do well in the venture world usually have a little technical razzle-dazzle, something truly transformative. Think machine learning or cloud computing or the internet or even the semiconductor chips that the Valley got its name from. So what inspires venture investors to put their money into these other categories? Well, 
The founders of these companies typically have persuaded their investors that even though the business looks ordinary, if you rethink it, you can expand that business many times, maybe even transform it. I talked to Mood Rogani, an investor at Kleiner Perkins Cofield and Byers, which is a huge venture firm, about how far to take that idea. He backs Stance. I think any category. Um, uh, I mean, you're seeing it now in um, agriculture. You uh-huh. hear ag tech. You hear it in food, food tech. Um, you're hearing it in industrial, industrial tech companies, industrial IoT. Uh-huh. So the notion that disruption is only in air segments of the internet or other areas of deep technology, I just think is, um, is incorrect. But sometimes those bets don't work out. Take Juicero. That's a company that persuaded investors that if drinking juice became easy, people would drink a lot more of it. That's as long as they didn't have to clean up blenders or drag home lots of fruit from the market. Right. They convinced backers that Juicero could sell $400 juice machines, along with $8 a piece juice packs to put in them. And VC backers gave them $118 million. But as our colleagues Alan Hewitt and Olivia Zaleski reported, it was perfectly possible to just squeeze the juice out of the package with your bare hands. No $400 fancy juice machine required. In September, Juicero said it was closing down. So how do you tell the difference? How do you know if the startup really does have a great idea that will give a shot of rocket fuel to a boring old industry that has been around for decades? That is exactly the predicament of Jeff Curl, our sock hero. When I met him, he was wearing shorts and a tank top because he'd just come from a game on the in-house basketball court. And he truly thinks he's found some ways to dress up the staid world of socks. You can see the potential. The U.S. market for adult socks is nearly $5 billion a year, according to NPD. Now, Jeff has to convince the wider world he's the real deal. But that doesn't mean he's trying to pass his business off as something it's not. Do you think of yourself as a technology company at all? Not particularly. I I think of us as a brand first and foremost. So to build his brand, Jeff needed to start with the right product. He methodically looked for a staple that could use better branding, along with a little more innovation. Once he settled on socks, he had to hire people with and I can't believe I'm about to say this, some serious sock chops. One of those people is Taylor Shoup, Stance's co-founder and chief product officer. He's a wiry and wisecracking guy who's about 10 years younger than Jeff. They had the same marketing professor at Brigham Young University in Utah who introduced them. And at the end of a long afternoon at Stance, Taylor stood outside their research building and made a little bit of a confession. Yeah. I was always a sock guy. You or were? A pro- yeah, a product guy. Okay. I always had a certain location at the Orange County swap meet that I went to buy my socks. And so uh, when Jeff came to me like eight, nine, ten years ago and started Wait, talking to me about... Wait, you buy socks at the swap meet? Oh, yeah. What, what was special about those they socks? They had the best elastic What, ever. like, were so they never vintage left any. socks? No, they were just three by one, you know, like old athletic crew socks uh-huh. that you'd see, all white. And they left no impression on my legs, so it had a really good, you know, sort of elastic power. The product didn't pill. They lasted a lot longer than anything else I had. I can tell that's a guy who is way into his socks. And, as he learned, a little technology can go pretty far to improve a sock. Now he oversees a kind of Aladdin's cave of sock machinery at Stance's headquarters in San Clemente. The department goes by shred for sock 
Hosiery Research, Education, and Development. And so here we test things like durability. There's pilling. That right there is a rub test for durability. We test fit. We test color fastness. We test thermoregulation. That's a camera that shows heat signatures or infrared. Um, crocking, lateral stretch. What's that one do? It's a tear test for fabric for oh. our underwear. That was Taylor talking with Stance's CTO, Randy Sheckler, who happens to be a rocket scientist. For real. When I was there, they showed me socks stretched almost three times their normal size and socks batted around on PVC pipes to make sure they could take a beating. The machinery looked so elaborate, I ended up asking Mood, the VC investor, if they really needed it. Whether it's absorption, whether it's wicking, whether it's ability to grip, whether it's ability to you know, survive through a thousand times through the wash, whatever those attributes are, they measure. Um, and there's customization around areas of the sock where that matters relative to what you're using it for. You'd be surprised. You spin all of these knobs, you get permutations that are in the thousands. And so that's part of the scientific side of kind of what they're testing. Um, as well as like producibility, how much is it going to cost if we produce here? How much of a market is there? And so left brain, right brain, scientific, fun, all of those things that come together, it's a lot more complicated than you, what you would okay. think. Okay, so bottom line, they need all that testing. And oh, absolutely. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Okay, those are some fancy socks, and it seems to be paying off. Stance has a pretty ardent customer base, including everyone from teen skaters to superstar athletes like the basketball player Kobe Bryant. One time after a game last year, Kobe, who was hired by Stance to create a sock line, talked about how his socks helped his team, the Lakers, score a big basketball upset against the feared Golden State Warriors. The power of the socks. <laughs> yeah. It's got to be the socks, right? I mean, it's, uh, I, think it's, I think it's cool, man. Stance also has licensing deals with the big sports leagues, including the NFL and Major League Baseball. Everyone from Rihanna to Jay-Z is wearing these socks, and many of Stance's celebrity boosters are also Stance investors, so they talk up the socks for free. But before Stance started tapping its network of celebrities, it made sure it got traction somewhere grittier, in skate shops and with surfers. I learned while reporting this story that a lot of fashions start in those communities. Surfers have a, a, a kind of a low-profile way of, of dressing. This is Natalie Gamet from Hobie Surf Shop in San Clemente, California. Which sometimes ends up being uh, more uh, trendsetting. Mm -hmm. um, they could wear roll-up Levi jeans, um, a, uh, retro Aloha shirt and then stance socks, and then and then that be that be the trend. Stance is constantly working to stay ahead of what's cool. It hired a team to come up with four thousand designs a year. They try to make sure the patterns grab the eye. For example, Taylor, he's the sock guy who took me on the tour of Stance's research lab, showed me a pair of holiday socks. One foot has the letters S-L-A-Y across it, and the other R-I-D-E. I thought at first it was a typo. The thing about socks is that it's just such a great canvas for expression. Uh -huh. And, you know, it's so novelty that you can do it like this one, sleigh ride. That's what, you know, it's called. Right? Oh. Right? Instead of, it's like, e, e. No, it's oh, supposed sleigh. to. Oh, yeah, oh. like, sleigh it. You know what I mean? Like, I love you're it. out there and you're killing it. Yeah. 
So, um, in mistletoe, right, <laughs> instead of with the T. I love that, too. So, yeah. I mean- that one was confident, too. Two words, one on each sock, spelling out the weapon and the part of your foot, not the seasonal plant. Stance has endless clever designs. Recently, the internet lit up because Justin Trudeau, the Canadian prime minister, wore a pair. Those showed Chewbacca from Star Wars. So Stance seems to be doing well so far, but it's a tall order having to think up 4,000 catchy sock designs a year. How do we know it has staying power? Stance is checking all the right boxes, but a lot of the biggest flameouts could say that, at least for a time. Juicero, the juice startup we mentioned, said it had special technology and shut down anyway. And retailers like One King's Lane and Shoe Dazzle had big-time celebrity ties, and they ended up selling for fire sale prices. Jeff Carl says he's avoiding their problems, and he partly blames those failures on the investors. He says a lot of VCs just didn't understand how to size up a retail business, especially a few years ago when he started talking to them about raising money. Jeff actually makes an interesting point about e-commerce, one that deserves a deeper discussion, maybe for another time. So he decided to go old school. He didn't start Stance by focusing online. He went for traditional retailers, like Natalie at Hobie Surf Shop. Other online retailers have leaned heavily on selling consumers' monthly subscription plans, like Dollar Shave Club for razors or Birchbox for cosmetics. Only now, seven years in, is Jeff gearing up subscription socks and seriously beefing up his online sales. That's in part because so many brick-and-mortar retailers are struggling, including some of the retailers that sell socks. And those troubles in retail are partly why Jeff raised so much venture capital money, in case he ever got the opportunity to buy some struggling brands that could help Stance. So far, that hasn't panned out. And I thought, hey, opportunistically, maybe we could find some great teams, some great entrepreneurs, some interesting product categories through acquisition. So I wanted to have a big balance sheet uh-huh. if that ever happened. And it just really hasn't. And I think it's been more cost effective and more innovative for us to work on, our, work on those products ourselves. So a lot of that venture money is still in the bank, and Stance's revenues are over $100 million. They expect to turn a profit starting next year. Sarah, does anybody have anything bad to say about Stance? I found one person. Sucharita Kodali, a retail analyst, raised a red flag or two. That's always a risk that that a company like Stance has to to face is, is, you know, kind of everything from knockoffs to companies like Target, you know, kind of basically doing their version of a lower price point, um, a lower price point version of the same thing. She also had some sobering comments about a core group of Stance customers. Stance is, I think, for the most part, a millennial brand. And um, millennials are really fickle and they're constantly trying new things. And um, the the challenge with that is that, you know, kind of some of these new brands experience success really quickly because everybody learns about them on social networks. In other words, easy come, easy go. And one more thing, a former employee who didn't want to be named told me a lot of people just don't work very hard at the company. (laughs) I guess I understand that. They're in Southern California, just a few minutes from the beach. Sarah, you told me that even right at the office, they've got a pretty distracting setup, right, with a putting green and a basketball court and on-site massages. Right, and even a skate ramp. 
But some of their VCs are more worried about other stuff. For example, one said they shouldn't depend so much on word of mouth to build the brand, and they should advertise more. But Jeff and his marketing VP, Noel Bates, both think word of mouth is working great. Rihanna came out with a sock line two days or last week that has her on them in her like Met Gala dress and yeah. her videos. Drake wore them and posted on Instagram two days ago of him hanging out. Do you know this? Yes. Yeah, in the Rihanna socks. Just FYI, Drake, the singer, is Rihanna's ex-boyfriend. I actually did not know that. BuzzFeed, Mashable, E! News, People, InStyle, Vogue, L, Cosmo, everyone covered her collection, but yeah. now they're all covering it again because it's all page six. That's great. All about how Drake, you know, is like, this, is, Rihanna as close, this is as close as Drake can get, can get to Rihanna right now. You know, and he looks all sad in the video. He looks all sad in the picture. Oh, so, so I was running the report on like everywhere that this has appeared. And it was like $6 million worth of advertising. Good rebuttal to the debate on ad spending. Still, this is a fundamentally pretty traditional business. Does venture capital have any business investing in it? Isn't venture money supposed to get crazy, world-changing ideas off the ground? Well, that's how people think of venture capital. And lately, it does seem like venture capital has backed a lot of fundamentally non-tech businesses although statistics from CB Insights say it's no more or less than in the past. But in the past few years, examples include Casper Mattresses and The Melt, a grilled cheese shop, Allbirds, a shoe company is another, and those types of traditional consumer businesses can deliver great returns. Starbucks coffee was venture-backed in the early 90s, and today it's worth $79 billion. More recently, Blue Bottle Coffee raised about $120 million and got acquired by Nestle for hundreds of millions. And that's Jeff's point. He says a well-built brand can deliver the same kind of returns to investors as a traditional internet or software company. The problem is that not all entrepreneurs know how to build great brands. One reason we see so many venture-backed busts has less to do with how traditional or not the company that is getting funded is, and more to do with how their founders play the game. Well, first of all, um, raising money is sort of its own skill set. Uh-huh. There's definitely a way to position companies to investors, uh-huh. and I think that actually creates you know an adverse bias in deal selection because a great presenter can actually get an average or below average business funded um, and a bad and a bad present you know so a great it, it the positioning of a business there are many great businesses that go unfunded because no one was able to translate it into a language that a VC could find investable on the other end of the spectrum there were a lot that did get funded because fast-talking entrepreneurs convinced VCs that simply adding an app to a traditional industry would take it to new heights. A lot of the time, the founders and entrepreneurs underestimated the underlying logistics and complexity. An app does little to solve those. Food delivery is a classic case study. Good Eggs and Sprig are two examples of companies that raised about $60 million each. But a couple of years ago, Good Eggs had to close three of its four locations, and Sprig shut down earlier this year. Munchery, which raised $125 million, had to switch out its CEO, recapitalize, and fire employees. This feeds right into the idea that Silicon Valley caters too much to millennials with a lot of money to spend on frills including food delivery, juice, and I have to say it, socks. 
even if it does make money for them. Are socks the best use of VC cash? Are they the best use of Jeff Curl's time? Yeah, no, you, you bring up a really good question, which is, at its heart, I think, how impactful can an apparel brand really be to the world? And, you know, when we first started it, maybe I was at a less mature, you know, phase in my life and thought less about legacy. And at the time, it was really quite a selfish notion of what I miss doing is going into the office with a small group of really talented, hungry, ambitious people. And I don't really care if it's software or consumer products or maybe the passion for the product can be completely secondary because what I care about is the group of people. And with Stance, we've absolutely created that. It's, it's a very special leadership team. It's an incredible culture. People will love to work here. Okay, but Brad, don't you think that when you meet some of these entrepreneurs who are clearly like brilliant, super capable people, and you feel like, yeah, they could be curing cancer, you know, and instead they're helping us get around faster. Or making more comfortable socks. <laughs> I have to say, though, I mean, I'm sort of impressed by what Jeff has built. I mean, clearly these socks are a little bit of a fad. You see them all over the place. Uh, maybe they've identified something. We've kind of taken th- this garment for granted for so long, but we can have a little bit of fun with it. Right. Them. He says that the product goes well beyond the sock. He has all these ideas about how it stands for individuality and so on. And I buy that. What is the future for them? Are they going to do other kinds of clothing? So you can already buy men's underwear, women's underwear about to launch. So what is next beyond undergarments? Can you see Stan's shirts or baseball caps? They wouldn't really go into details, but yeah, that would be a natural for them. Also taking on Under Armour, maybe getting, or um, Lululemon, getting into yoga pants and other fitness apparel more broadly. As long as they're not see-through. As long as they're not see-through. So is Jeff comfortable just running like an apparel company, or does he have ambitions that go beyond just creating clothes? I asked him about that. And actually, recently, somebody in his family went through cancer, and he started thinking way differently. And I, I will admit that when I look at that, I find like deep motivation of, geez, I've got to get myself in life sciences. These are real problems that are solvable. Um, none of them are easy problems, but they are solvable. Um, and I feel like I could make a difference doing some of that. But I have employees here and I have shareholders here. and We've built a good business and we have loyal fans. And so, look, I think it's probably the kind of thing where in all, you know, candor, look, maybe stance is something I operate till till I'm old, but if there was a transition, I think I would find myself thinking about a venture that had the potential for more purpose. And that's it for this week's episode of Decrypted. Thanks for listening. We always like to hear what you think of the show. So get in touch at decrypted at bloomberg.net. Or I'm on Twitter at McBrideSG. And I'm at Bradstone. 
If you haven't already, subscribe to our show wherever you get your podcasts. And while you're there, please leave us a rating and a review. This goes a long way to get this show in front of more listeners. This episode was produced by Pia Kadkari, Aki Ito, Liz Smith, and Magnus Henriksen. We'll talk to you next week.